I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Hey, welcome to a new episode of the RSL Show. I am Andy Munoz. We're joined today by Joshua Clark. And we're also joined today by the host of Bleeding Claret and Cobalt. The second best RSL podcast <laughs> out there. And we uh, end the title of... Uh, You're welcome, Soapbox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> director, <laughs> director of Communications, uh, Trey Fitzgerald. How's hey guys, it going? Thanks for inviting me tonight. Yeah, of course. Thanks uh, for coming. I know it was kind of a last minute invite, but yeah. yeah, I'm always I'm always down to talk a little RSL. Yeah, a lot of cool things happening on the Real Salt Lake front. Uh, aside from the loss uh, that was handed to you guys by none other than SKC, yeah. none other by a dude that just scores on us like crazy. Dude, he's annoying. He's I an, wish he played for RSL though. An RSL killer, dude. It, that you know that there's a lot of them, and yeah. he, Johnny Russell is one. Yeah, it's quite annoying, and it's annoying. And he knows SKC. it, dude. He knows it. The celebration. I mean, yeah. went, place went wild. Yeah, I mean, they were lucky to win that game. Yeah, I think we should have won personally. Yeah. But hey, what do I know? But here I'm to just break a lowly that, podcaster. Here to break that down, Trey. No, I agree with Josh, man. We should have won that game. Like we played well enough. Uh, was I think a little unlucky that. Johnny Menendez couldn't finish some of his great chances. He was so dangerous. In the fourth minute, dude. Sergio Cordova, like, I want him to be maybe a little more selfish. Mm -hmm. Um, And Pablo has talked to him about that a little bit. You know, Pablo's like, look, he wants to kind of integrate himself in the team, and he's trying to, like, get everybody involved. Bang him in. Just bang him in. (laughs) Well, Pablo's like, yeah, get yourself involved, and then as a change of pace, get others involved. But right. that'll come. Like, he looked dynamic, too. Chang, I think M- Michael Chang and Pablo Ruiz might be kind of the unsung heroes of the season so far. Obviously, Zach McMath has been killing it in place of Ochoa. Right. Um, dude, I like Zach. Kansas City was so crazy because, like, you know, we're getting ready for the game, and then – like, literally, I'm standing in the locker room getting ready to give Pablo the mic for the mic'd up mm-hmm. segment or whatever we do on, on our TV broadcast. And somebody comes running in, and they're like, I need, I need Jasper's jersey. And then it's like chaos. Everybody's trying to figure out what happened to Kapelhoff. Why is Jasper starting? Like, does it count as a sub or not a sub because of the timing of, like, the scratch? And, you know, we obviously go on to find out that Johan's calf kind of tightened up and, um, you know, it was disappointing, but uh, I thought Jasper did pretty well for being thrown in the game. Obviously, he's being played out of position, uh, but he was solid, not great, not awful. He was pretty critical of himself, I think, in the post game. Uh, really good interview, by the way. Yeah, so that very was, good. That was entertaining to hear his perspective on everything. And then, obviously, at halftime, you know, Eric Holt tears his plantar fascia which is basically the ligament that goes 
across the bottom of your Ooh, foot. Imagine like, that's a season ender. So now he's not a season ender, but he's he's probably out a couple months. Ooh, sounds painful. And he's sound he's nice. in a walking boot now, and I just feel so bad for him because this may be a minority opinion of mine, but I do feel like Eric consistently gets better every game. Yeah, I agree with you on that. 100% yeah. has hit another level this season. Yeah. He hasn't been the brunt of jokes like he used to be. Right. That's how you know Twitter doesn't hate him. Well, it's hard, right? Like you're if you're a center back, if you're a young center back, which he is and you come up through the academy and Monarchs and then you get thrown in MLS, like you can play awesome for 89 minutes a game, but you have one brain cramp or mm. brain freeze or just physical mistake, like you're the goat, right? Yeah. And we used to talk about this with Jeff Cunningham. Like, he could be dog bleep for 89 minutes, but he gets on the end of one and he's the hero, he's the hero right? Yeah. And that's just the difference between being a center back and a striker. But speaking of center backs, I mean, how blown away are we all by Haziel, Vas- um, Haziel Orozco, yep. um, who just, you know, I can't believe he's only 17. Hungry kid. He's been in the U.S. or sorry, the Mexican youth national team setups. There's rumors that the U.S. youth national team is, is taking a look and might try to invite him. And I wonder if we're going to be able to let him go to a camp if, if he's playing games yeah, for us, not. right? And <laughs> I, th- I think the next camp's either April, late April, early May, something like that. So. Um, excited for him, and he was just so poised. He looked like he belonged. He talked in the post game. I thought it was really cool when he was talking to Dunny and DJ about Marcelo Silva picking him up, and you know the teammates just telling him, "Hey, we got you. Just do your thing." And he was as poised on that interview as he was on the field. Mm-hmm. So. I think he's going to be our uh, our next Salcedo, but mm. but better. Mm. I like that. Yeah, Carlos yeah. Salcedo I, I, Part Two. I almost Bold said Justin Glad. Hey, no, I'm. But I'm aiming high Chelsea, for this kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Justin's pretty good, man. Yeah, but I'm aiming like outside MLS right. for this guy. Okay. Yeah, uh, I talked to Orozco in Tucson when you Ozzie, yeah. Out. yeah. Uh, just, dude, for being a 17-year-old kid, uh, I mean, just the way that he articulated his responses both in English and Spanish, kid is bright. And you know that it, with maturing, it's especially under people like, you know, Marcelo Silva and, you know, these, uh, um, like, Hispanic players that we have, he, he's just in good company, and he's going to be outfitted to just, I think, be a really good uh, player. Yeah. So I'm excited for Jariel. Do you Orozco. guys? Uh, do you guys think Menendez puts a couple of those away? Had he had more than, I don't know, five minutes of yeah of probably. game time this year? Yeah, I mean, I think he needs he needed confidence, mm-hmm. and I think it was growing throughout that game, certainly. And unfortunately, and this is the injury portion, I guess, of the discussion, you know, I go down to Tuesday's training. Tuesday's generally our longest training of the year, or the the week. It's the toughest and the longest. And Tuesday at like 11.30, I go down to just be there to tell Pablo, hey, we got to do this and this and this this afternoon, blah, blah, blah. And he's like getting ready to cut practice short. And like we start warming up at ten thirty, so at eleven thirty, like it's getting cut short. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, another one bites the dust. I'm like, what happened? He's like, Johnny like tore his adductor, and apparently he's hustling. He's got the confidence, right? He's got a little, and he stretches out um, to go for a ball defensively, and it you can hear a pop, and mm-hmm. so now he's probably out eight weeks, maybe. And I don't know if that includes the time to recover plus regain fitness because, as we've seen with um, Rubio Rubin, you know he got his surgery first week of January, and so that's been that's been what an eight to ten week time frame for him to come back now. And uh, I guess it is good that we're finally you know we're getting Rubin and Krylock back, right. back as all these other guys go down. But man. I don't know. I, everybody wants to make an, uh, you know, wants to try to find a, a one size fits all explanation for these injuries. I was joking with Pablo. I was like, well, maybe, maybe Deloitte built, um, you know, the Harriman facility on top of a cemetery or something. You know, <laughs> sure. it's like poltergeist is what goes through my mind. And, and then I'm obviously I'm joking, but. You know, are like they drinking Marcello? enough milk? Well, yeah. <laughs> it's funny you say that. Do you remember the whole Chris Schuler thing? Because yeah. he he had like bone 
uh, spur and other like bone like issues in his issues. Yeah, yeah bone density issues in his feet and ankles and basically like the bones in his ankle like were just too tightly Man. constructed so they would put pressure on each other and they would break but he was like just pounding calcium tablets and drinking milk like you said and his bones took two to three times longer than normal to recover and that's ultimately what ended his his career which is obviously very unfortunate uh for us but you look at some of these injuries like um Justin Glad does his hamstring in a game Bobby Wood does his hamstring in the practice the day before Kansas City um you look at you know Marcelo Silva gets his toe stomped on luckily that only cost him one game but mm-hmm. he's still dealing with a lot of pain um when you kind of have your your toe smashed and the nail has to get cut out and they have to drill and you know there's an infection and there's all this kind of grossness mm-hmm. going on i know you guys are in the side of the camp that wants to see the video like dunny <laughs> uh i'm not there marcelo offered to show it to me i was like nope i'm good bro yeah i, I can live without um i mean if you've ever just stubbed your toe imagine like all of that um <sighs> I'm trying to think who else. Um, Herrera. Yeah, Aaron Herrera. Like, he comes back from the quad issue that he kind of dealt with last year, plays 28 minutes after Glad gets hurt. And then, you know, in the Monday training, which is generally a pretty light training, uh, he comes up with a little calf issue. Uh, Johan has a calf issue. Demir got kicked in his calf and obviously tried to play through it with you know, the rest of preseason and then the Houston game, and that just made it worse. So that's why he missed, you know, three, almost four full games. But, you know, maybe against Colorado he's ready to go, you know, start and go 60, 75, maybe even 90, depending. So I don't know. There, I don't – there's no – everybody wants to find, hey, what is – why, you know? And obviously the narrative the last couple of weeks based on some different radio interviews that Pablo and Elliot have done is, you know, is Pablo – grinding the guys and training too hard. I mean, yes, they're intense and they're um I mean, he commented spirited. to that, right? Yeah. Cuz he said, "Hey, I feel I feel more like a referee than I do a coach. Sure. I'm having to like split these guys up and yeah. and, right. and and basically kind of tone it down levels." Yeah. You're at practice. Yeah. I mean, do you see what he's describing? I mean, I mean do you feel look, like these I, guys I are see just... I see look, players want to play and they compete. I mean, even today and we're sitting here on Thursday night before the Colorado game, um, it was small sided games, but man, they're competitive, right? Every every group wants to win. They're yelling at at Pablo because he's the referee to, you know, that was offside or that you know that was a handball, and you know they're just they're competitors, right? And it, you know, David Ochoa, we saw his quad happen in the seventieth minute of the last preseason game in in Portland, and again, that's a that's an injury that he sort of dealt with a lot last year, and there's no rhyme or reason and. You know, I've talked a lot to our medical staff, to our strength and conditioning staff. Everybody's searching for answers. And, you know, Pablo did say that, you know, about being a referee in the Nashville postgame. I think he went on Bill Riley's show. And Bill Riley asked a very specific question to Pablo about, okay, like when you're, when it's the 70th minute or the 75th minute or whatever, and you're thinking about subs. You know, what kind of data do you guys have that you're looking at on the screens? And look, some players do allow uh, those monitors to be worn in-game. And, you know, the players' union cannot mandate that. So it has to be voluntary from the players. And, and look, Pablo's point was we do have some data that we're looking at, but, you know, I'm looking at the eye test. And he did have a quote about... You know, I told Sergio, just keep running. I don't care if your leg falls off. We'll go. You know, we'll find somebody else next game. Yeah, that's a rah-rah coach. I don't think that's a literal. Yeah, 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 no, exactly. And so, look, there's nobody nobody on the staff that is trying to jeopardize the long or even short-term health of any players. Now, Elliot on Spence Chuckett's show this week was asked about a different set of data and metrics, which is – kind of the longer term where you see the loads guys have each day in training, the distances covered, um, how that compares to kind of the, the baseline fitness 
metrics that happen in preseason, and and there are periods of testing throughout the season. So you'll notice in a typical MLS year, trainings are a lot lighter as you get later in the season because guys' bodies are sort of deteriorating and you need longer recovery periods. But every player is different. It's different for a 17-year-old than it is for a 34-year-old, right? So Demir is not going to be asked to do the same amount of running and other, you know, physical exertions at certain times in the year that Haziel Vasquez or why do I keep saying that? <laughs> I don't know. I think I get him confused with Julian Vasquez. Do you remember yeah, him yeah, from yeah. our academy yeah. a few years ago? So yeah. I apologize. So yeah. Haziel Orozco, obviously, um, you know, and and we have what just a wide range. Like Justin Miram getting off a sixteen hour flight from Dubai or wherever he flew back from ten miles now. You know, <laughs> yeah, like he's not going to be asked to do the same thing in the Thursday or even Friday session in order to get him ready to contribute Saturday. And look, it's probably twenty or thirty minutes off the bench. Maybe it is starting based on our situation, but. You know, if the if the strength and conditioning guy says, hey, if we start him and ask him to go hard 60, that may be something we're dealing with for the next month. And that's why, you know, there is kind of a conservative approach when when uh, Bobby Wood's hamstring kind of cramps up. He still went on the trip. The medical staff is still working with him overnight to try to get him ready for the game. Ultimately, he couldn't go. But obviously, we've seen some some people on Twitter complaining that we didn't announce his injury Friday, you know, an hour after training. Well, I don't know about you guys, but like, I don't want Kansas City to know Bobby Wood's injury status twenty four hours before a game. That's kind of what I wanted to chalk it up to, because sure. I mean, from a from a perspective of you know transparency, I think you guys do really well. I cover BYU, Utes, Utah Jazz. Yeah. There's no one in the valley that gives us this much access, yeah. um, and and that's not only to speak for the RSL show. That's just like RSL media in general. Yeah. But you got to think about it, like you just mentioned. Yeah, do you want them to know that your key players are hurt going into a match literally the night prior? So, I mean, how how do we fix that? Or yeah. is is there it's a hard solution because to that? you guys know? Like, I want you guys to know almost everything. Like, I I have. For my whatever it is, off and on for 17 years here, almost 18 now, um, I've fought for a lot of transparency. And I want fans, media, whoever is covering us to know just about everything. Like the only thing that I am asked to keep close to the vest, whether it's by the GM or the head coach or the owner or whatever, are – you know, extremely sensitive financial information, which I don't really have privy to anyway. But obviously, you know, competitive advantage is a big thing. And look, a lot of coaches are crazy about that stuff. And we've had some of them. Now, I was lucky in the early days of RSL where Jason and Garth and Dave Checkets and Bill Manning, um, I was at the table with them, and we were discussing things, and I was given a lot of trust, and they trusted me to be able to share information in very different ways. Sometimes it's open practices, right? And everybody gets a chance to talk to whoever they want to talk to every day after training. Um, I think Pecky, to an extent, and, and Freddie Juarez, I wasn't here for Freddie's um, term, but I think they started to close a lot more practices. The only time we ever closed practice when I was around from 2005 to 2018, September of 2018, was when we were in an Open Cup knockout game or a CONCACAF knockout game, and we were doing penalty kicks usually the day before a game. That was where I asked TV cameras to yeah, you don't turn want, off you don't and point down. Right. And sometimes we'd escort people into like the hallway or whatever, and then 15 minutes later, or 10 minutes later, you bring them back out on the field, and guys are goofing off and finishing and doing whatever. So, like, um, this is where, you know, again, you guys are a much more mature um, podcast, and 
you know, media, let's say a fan driven media entity. Is that fair? Because yeah, like we're all fans, right? We all want the team to succeed. Like my job's way easier when the team wins. So I'm a pretty hardcore fan, right? You guys have a lot more fun talking about us and coming out to training or covering games or doing the things, uh, you know, making the t-shirts, doing stuff over at KSL or whatever you guys are doing when, when we win, right? It's just, it's infectious. And, um, there are, there are other blogs that we give the same access to that we give you guys. Some are new. Some have been around longer than you guys. And look, obviously the media world has changed a lot. And, you know, there was a time where the the KSL TVs or the Salt Lake Tribunes or the City Weeklies or Deseret News, you know, they kind of would look at me side-eyed and would even come to me and say, hey, why – why does that blogger have the same access that I have? I'm like, well, you know, they cover us. And look, I've said this for a long time, and I still ha- I said it in a meeting today. Like, the blogs um, that cover us are, that's our talk radio. You know, we're lucky in Salt Lake that, that ESPN 700 um, – has long been a partner, both before they were owned by the same owner and now after they were owned by the same owner. But uh, twelve eighty, the zone has had a hit or miss, you know, and that's part of, you know, David James being on TV helps us on the radio side. But like Jay Catch is a soccer fan that has a editorial um, influence at that radio station, right? So there's a certain amount of coverage there. Um, we used to have a third sports talk radio station here. Um, in Salt Lake and you know part of the reason there were three sports talk radio stations in a market of this size is because this was a FCC test market back in the 60s so there's a million extra signals i mean cuz there's no way a city of this size should have three 24-hour sports stations and now it's only two but still that's still a lot yeah and look i i think at the end of the day, my personal philosophy has always been let's give people the access. Let's bring them inside the ropes. Let's help them understand, you know, all the things they can understand. And, you know, we are in a situation now coming out of COVID where uh, mainstream media newsrooms have changed greatly from three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. And, and I do want, um, all the different kind of fan-driven podcasts, blogs, shows, anybody that want, that expresses an interest in, in trying to cover the team. And, and, and I still believe, like, you speak to your fans through media. And I'm not trying to say, hey, if you have this circulation or this many followers, then you get this access. And if you only have this over here, well, you can't, participate in this zoom or you can't talk to Demir after training or you can't get on the phone with Pablo or whatever. Like that's not fair. So we, we try to be fair and equitable, but obviously you guys see me and I'm active on Twitter. I'm addicted to Twitter. I love it. Loved it for a long time, but it's, it's a hard place now more than ever to have, I think, um, intricate and nuanced conversations about this kind of stuff or anything, whether it's injuries, whether it's media access. But, um, look, I'm not angry at anybody. I always want the fans. I I like having banter with the fans. You guys know that. Um, A lot of fans know that. But obviously, you know, with you guys and some of the other entities – if you if you are credentialed to be in the press box to be in the post game, we haven't reinstituted locker room access coming out of COVID yet, but I think that's coming soon. Um, if you if you have the ability to come to training, whether it's one day a week or five days a week, and talk to the guys, like I just feel like that carries a little extra uh, weight of responsibility and opportunity um, to not just be angry online whether it's twitter or facebook or anywhere else like i i i guess the misperception if i'm critical of of what somebody says about us is that i'm thin-skinned and and people can't criticize and that's not the case at all i think it just needs to be fair and i think it needs to be informed especially if you're uh a credentialed member of the media and i guess that's that's kind of the maybe that's the gray area now it's not as Mm -hmm. black and white as it used to be and um 
I guess, you know, earlier this week, I felt like some comments from both Pablo and Elliot were taken out of context and contrasted and, um, you know, made to look like those guys are not on the same page. And I disagreed with that. And it started, you know, maybe a little more of a firestorm than I expected. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't have called out um, that particular comment publicly. And I should have uh, just had a separate one-on-one DM or phone call or whatever. But, you know, I, I guess I felt strongly enough that enough fans had misinterpreted the context of Pablo's conversation with Bill Riley. And then when they are bringing Elliot's conversation with Spence Checkett's into the fold and trying to create a narrative that Pablo and Elliot are not on the same page, I, I reacted. And, and I'm very, you know, I, one of those comments that stuck with me in the middle of all those threads yesterday or whatever was, you know, well, you know, for a guy that's always preaching about the good vibes, well, good (laughs) vibes have us being three, one and one and Mm -hmm. good vibes have us like, all these kids and other guys are stepping up in the middle of this um, kind of injury spate. And I don't know, man. I don't know what you guys think, and I apologize for talking so much. But maybe it's a good thing that we're going through this injury bug while we're in the middle of, like, six out of nine on the road and points aren't as expected as they will be, like, in the middle of the summer when we have seven out of ten at home. I Look, I think it's going to be a good thing come August when we're in the heat of a playoff race and – 25 guys have gotten serious MLS minutes and they're all engaged. Now, it's not ideal now for us to not have Demir or Bobby or Rubio or Glad or Herrera, but, you know, we're going to get an Open Cup draw here in a week and hopefully we go on an Open Cup run because I love the Open Cup Mm -hmm. and I like trophies and I like easy (laughs) paths to CONCACAF and, you know, I don't know what – I haven't – honestly, I haven't sat and asked Pablo, hey, do you care – about yeah. the Open Cup. Like, I used to debate Garth and Jason about this back in the day, and a lot of times it depends on the year. And we have a very congested schedule this year because of World Cup. So um, June 11th is our only Saturday off between February 27th and, and November 4th. And, uh, you know, I'd like to maybe take a little break on June 11th, but there may be an open cup game that week either before or after there may be an international exhibition coming to Rio Tinto Stadium i don't know what's going to happen but some of those things are going to dictate as well as the health of the roster and right. the health of the monarchs roster and the health of the academy roster are all going to kind of dictate i think pablo's philosophy if we're playing san diego loyal or new mexico united or um Colorado Rapids or Seattle Sounders in, in an open cup run. So um, that's what I'm excited about this summer, but um, or this spring and summer. So I don't know, man. I I just um, I hope people can at least try to appreciate where where I'm trying to come from to always give access and perspective. And uh, I don't expect everybody to agree with me. Like I'm not the smartest guy in the world. Well, it's it's weird because the first time that you quote unquote maybe clap back at somebody Mm -hmm. and it's like the first one in like how long years publicly publicly right it's not to say like dude you've given us criticism you you've talked you know used to you used to call jake and said hey like why are you guys saying this or mentioning that and you guys would squash it out but for for you know for someone who is so uh transparent uh that's what i do like about you is that yeah you're linked to the club but then also like you're you're a fan first and you know, you. I feel like you're kind of given a pass on Twitter to express uh, what you want to express, and most of the time it's positivity and it's like outlook on the club. The one time, dude, the one time that you say anything to anybody, it's like people are just kind of like off with his head mentality. Yeah, bring out the pitchforks. <laughs> and people were calling me like a, a whack job and saying that they hate my content and all this stuff. Yeah. And it's like dude, getting real personal for no real reason. Real personal. Yeah. And the thing that I'll say about this is like, you know, um, what I tweeted about the whole, like, uh, you know, unpaid stuff and uh, whatever, like, kind of using that as, a, a, as, a, as an excuse, like, at least that's how I interpreted it. I never said anything to this person's um, character, to, like, their their quality of their work or anything like that. Right. But all, like, a lot of his friends were kind of in my comments, like, going hard at me. And I think that's kind of, like, the difference is is being able, like you said, take that criticism back, 
you, you know, as people who do have credentials, if I put something out that's like bad product or it's condescending or it's not the truth and somebody calls me out, I'm going to listen rather than like kind of have like this, you know, back and forth when you're literally like saying, hey, dude, it's out of context. You didn't understand this. Yeah. Let me explain. Um, so I think that's kind of where it just got kind of got nutty today. Did you feel like it got nutty? Yeah, it got out of control really fast. Yeah. That's why I started, you know, making jokes about <laughs> let's have a Royal Rumble match in the press box. You know, just yeah, silly it was, things. But the dumb thing about all of this and, you know, for people who, you know, follow either podcasts or beat writers or whatever, like we've said some pretty horrible things about one another. Like I've said things about people on the RSL soapbox, like on this podcast. I've listened to their episodes where they say, where they say things about me. But what you guys don't see as fans is like I'll 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 chalk it up with those guys in the press box. Yeah. Like uh, I'll say or what's at a up. pickup game. Yeah. I'll yeah I'll yeah. talk crap to Trevor Brady on a podcast and then we'll say what's up in the parking lot and like you know do deuces and all this stuff and see you later. Hey, good job on this. Good job on that. So no, there's not like this crazy media escapade. <laughs> we don't hate one another. I've said it so many times on this podcast. I've said it a ton of times. I will give these other outlets crap, but I respect at the end of the day like what everybody does because we're all building up a Real Salt Lake media brand. Right. I don't care if you've been in this for as long as like the RSL show has been, if you've been in it longer, if you've literally been in it for six months. If you're doing it, you're at practice, you're on the media availability, you're on the Zoom calls, you're asking questions, you have my respect. So to get it twisted, because I literally just like tweeted one little comment out and then people are attacking and whatnot. It's 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 just well, it's we all want the same looting. thing at the end of the day, right? We want the team to be successful. We want we want the sport to grow. We want the stadium full. We want cool jerseys to wear. Like you know, and it is it is a way of life for a lot of us. And look, maybe it's I don't know, man. I bristle when people say it's inappropriate for me as a club employee to kind of have some of these public conversations yeah, on I don't, Twitter. I don't really understand but, that either. But it's how I've always been. And whether it was with Chris Camrani in the Tribune back in the day or James Edwards and D News or you guys or Soapbox or Jake or, you know, some of the newer folks that are around, like it's it's all meant to be like to broaden the the scope and the perspective and uh, I don't know. Like, soccer's different. Like, I can't, I can't behave as if I'm the VP of communications at the Jazz, because the NBA is established and the Jazz are established, and they get plenty of whatever you know mainstream bandwidth. We don't. Like, maybe there were times um, when we did, but we have to rebuild all that now. And the newsrooms. Um, of every TV station, radio station, newspaper, website. Uh, they're different places than they were pre-COVID. They are different places than they were when we went to two MLS Cups in five years or whatever. So I think it requires a different approach. And, uh, you know, I'm never looking to diminish fans' enthusiasm. I'm never looking to make anybody feel... Um, I don't know, stupid for caring. Um, but I feel like sometimes, at least over the last 24 hours, some of the comments got twisted that way. And I really tried to explain like the difference between being a fan. And look, I don't expect you guys to be 60 minutes hardcore journalists. Right. But I do, I do expect you guys to kind of understand um, – maybe a little bit of the obligation you have because of the access you have that instead of just ranting and raving, you can call me or John Jenna or Meg or Pablo or Elliot or whoever and say, am I, am I right here? Am I off base? What am I missing? Can you, you know, can you clarify? Yeah, this and that, and yeah. that's part of it too. And, and so look, the, the, the person that spawned kind of all this, he came to training today. We had a nice little chat we had a few other media members out at training. We talked about injuries. We talked about uh, development, Monarchs home openers this weekend. I mean, can you guys believe that 20 Academy kids had their professional debuts with the Monarchs last year? Like, that's obviously paying dividends now when you look at Hazi, 
Um, you look at Bodie Davis getting a few minutes against Nashville a couple weeks ago. You look at Chris Garcia has been on the bench every game. Um, you know, those guys are getting thrown in the fire, but they're thriving because they had the experience at the Monarchs. And, you know, who's next? Like, it's it's exciting to see. We had the, the hardship call-ups today you guys may have seen with Pierre Reedy and uh, Bobby Pierre. Um, these guys spent some time with us in preseason in Tucson and Portland and – I don't know if they're going to play in Colorado or if they're going to play at home against Toronto or what the situation is going to be, but whenever they do play, I'm I'm excited to see it all happen. So to clarify, is there any uh, miscommunication between Elliot Fall and Pablo? Are they just off, none off page? They're not. They're they're on the same page. All right. Um, maybe it's horribly obvious to me and not to others that they were talking about two very different things in those interviews and again i thought it was unfair that those interviews were being uh compared and contrasted in such a way to create conflict and that's why i called it out so um i'm happy to have the discussion with them or you or anybody else um i i will be efforting and i have been efforting to get some of our medical and strength staff to talk a little bit about their processes and again if anybody had the answer about why the injury bug has bitten so hard all at once, um, we'd share that with everybody, yeah. uh, media fans and and the players themselves, if we knew. Do you think this little injury bug is worse than, what was it, 2011, 2012, when Gene Alexander was playing striker? It's hard to we, compare. I know we had we had a big one in the early part of the season in 2018 too. Like I don't know. What do you guys think? Like we did have the shortest preseason we've ever had, or off season, I should say. It was a f- five weeks right between December 4th and January 15th. Um, we did have much of our preseason interrupted with COVID. So you know these are the things we don't know. Or like what are the longer term effects if a guy is getting ready and then has to take a week off in isolation and he's trying to stay fit, but it's different. And then he comes back. But I don't know. I think if you look at, if you line up all the injuries and maybe some of them are the same body part or the same muscular tissue or whatever, but the circumstances of, of each injury are different enough that I just, I, I know we all want a convenient through line, one size fits all answer, but there's not one. And, And like I joke, like, Maybe there's some some cemetery underneath that training field out in Harriman or something. Well, listen, guys, if you guys want to talk to Trey a little bit more in depth about this, his phone number is eight zero one eight. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'll, yeah, no, I'm I'll kidding. give I'll give Pablo's uh, <laughs> cell phone out here, and we so, can all just call Pablo directly because yeah. he's. I mean, look, in a in a couple of folks, James Edward, the editor over the D News, and um, Sean Walker, who's covered this team for a long time for KSL, both came on those threads on Twitter and said, look, Pablo, we're lucky to have Pablo because he is eminently more transparent with uh, the injury update You know, every Tuesday on Zoom and every Wednesday in the game notes and every Tuesday and Friday with Bill Riley and Spence Checkets and um, much, much more open and honest about everything, not just injuries, but tactics and thoughts and philosophies and ideas um, than Freddie Juarez was than Mike Pecky was, than Jeff Kassar was, than Jason Christ was. Um, and, look, I think Ellinger was pretty transparent, but it was a, just a different time, a different roster, a different league, and that's probably a little harder to appreciate. But, uh, you know, Pablo basically says yes to whatever the universe puts in front of him. And, uh, you know, he's not going to sugarcoat stuff. He's not going to lie. And, and – I really, really appreciate that about him. If the universe puts the opportunity for Pablo to sit where you're sitting, do you think he would take it? I do. Yeah, you guys might have Sick. to come a little more uh, west to his side of the valley. but uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you guys, I know that you take you take Pablo on, like, media tours. You guys, Yeah, are we did when he signed his contract. We haven't done one since, but we do need to do one. I mean, it, you, well, you guys are doing that, but I, I yeah. guess I mean it in the sense that, like, he's hopping on radio. Yep pretty consistently like how many times are you guys hopping on per week man um you know he does he does bill riley every tuesday at 1 30 he does spence check every friday afternoon 
sometimes Thursday based on team and, travel. And these are radio shows. This is stuff yeah. that fans can tune into. You don't need a credential, sure. no, right? And he's doing he's doing fifteen twenty minutes uh, with those guys. The Bill Riley one's a little more tactical and technical, and the Spence Checkets one is a little more philosophical. Um, he also does Zoom media availability every Tuesday, usually between twelve uh, thirty and one thirty, and. I mean, the one he did this week was 20 minutes, and he gets very philosophical. And then he obviously does every Saturday night uh, post game. So um, there's plenty out there. I'll tell you a quick story. I think people have heard me say this before, but maybe he the week between the Seattle playoff win and the Kansas City playoff win. You know, obviously we we're kind of catching lightning in a bottle, and it was a pretty hot national story. I want to say I put 59 media requests in, in front of Pablo, and he did every one of them. And I said, dude, uh, you know I'm not going to ask you to do anything unless I think it's good for you and good for the club. But if this is too much, we can consolidate. We can push them out. Like, we can move things around. And he's like, no, man, you know, this is the fun part, right? You know, I get to talk to people. We get to talk about these players and we could talk about our philosophy and like it was a very kind of Zen um, reaction to me. And I've never worked with a coach that wasn't like a super control freak. Yeah. Yeah. And like, look, I feel like I had good relationships with all of our coaches and, and I do wish I had kind of been here uh, during the Freddie era and maybe at least in the non COVID portion, which there wasn't much of during his time. Like I could have gotten him to be a little more, um, personable maybe with the media and the fans. I don't know. Maybe I, uh, maybe I couldn't have convinced him. But um, you know, with with Pablo, it's just it's just a joy, right? And you know, with Jason and Mike and and some of the other guys, you have to negotiate, and you know, they're thinking about a million things. So, kind of the last thing they want to do is take fifteen minutes to either talk about themselves or you know, they're wor- like coaches are paranoid, like. People make fun of me for not giving out certain information on a Friday afternoon, eighteen hours before kick, because I don't want the the opponent to know about it. Yeah, like, they're making adjustments. But on that info. but at the same time, like you know, they're just everybody's got their idiosyncrasies, coaches and players often more than anybody else. But you know, I just think we're lucky that we we really do have a very tight knit locker room that really has bought into Pablo's philosophy and his philosophy is very much about the community and about openness and transparency and you know we all fight for each other we're all on the same side like we all believe in each other and um it's so much fun right now it is so refreshing and um yeah the injuries suck because you don't have your best 11 on the field at one time and you don't have your best 15 or 18 or 20 dressing, but man, we've seen so many guys step up and get an opportunity. I mean, Andrew Brody got his opportunity because Aaron Herrera got hurt in the middle of that Kansas city game last year and he hasn't given it up. Scott Caldwell um, is playing because of, you know, maybe Nick Beasler's injury or Everton's visa issue or whatever, man, he's, he's, completely outperformed expectations. So it's been a really fun start to the season. Um, And it's almost like, think how good we're going to be when guys kind of find their rhythm, right? When Sergio Cordova gets his family um, ensconced and assimilated and all that kind of stuff and understands the the culture. And I feel like that's happening. Like we see it improve every week. Um, I just, I'm a glass half full guy. I'm very optimistic and, um, you know, I'm I'm excited for what 2022 is going to bring, uh, continue to bring. Can you just tell Pablo just to like not have him run so much or something? Yeah. Can you? <laughs> no, I All will right. not. All right, I will not give my uh, non-expert medical <laughs> or physical fitness <laughs> opinions to Pablo and his staff. It's really weird, man. I, I get the speculation as fans as like, why? Right? We've asked this. We've asked it on this show plenty of times. Um, I don't know, man. It was just weird today. Just a weird day. It was a weird day. I didn't like it. Yeah. Anything else to add, Josh? No. No? Hey, dude, no. Uh, we're going into a team. This is for Trey. Uh, we're going to go and play the Rapids. Yes. With, uh, we don't even know what the roster looks like. 
Um, like last year. I'm hoping Kellen Acosta is still uh, hungover from his uh, World Cup qualifying party and <laughs> maybe doesn't play. He plays for so. LAFC now. That is right. He yeah. got mad because they didn't give him a contract. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. See, yeah. that's how like myopically uh, I'm in our little world. Yeah, They, they do have uh, K, though. Yeah, Mark Anthony K. He's, yeah, he's good. a good player, yeah. but yeah. I think we'll be okay. Yeah, but he so, was on Canada, so maybe yeah, he he's might be, still hungover. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you feeling optimistic about the weekend results? So I am, and I don't know if I said this. Like I thought we played really well against Kansas City and deserved more yeah. than zero. At least a point. Now, I did not think we played great against Nashville, and we got all three. So going into Colorado, I'm actually pretty optimistic because it, it's a rivalry game. I don't know how packed their stadium's going to be. I mean, has it ever been? And not that I've ever really seen Not like them. the riot lately, Not no. like the riot. Yeah, two sellouts in March. So, and they've only got look, four Rob, games played, right? They're, what are they, two, Yeah, they're one, two, one? one, and one. They did not play during the international break like we did. Um, Robin Fraser's a great coach. And so they're going to be ready, and they're going to be difficult to break down. Um, but it's almost like you throw all the history out the window. There's only two Rocky Mountain Cup games this year. Um, so this one has a little added extra importance, and um, I'm excited to go to Denver and see what happens. Yeah, I'm excited to see some of the new blood get their first taste of the rivalry. Yeah, yeah, against the. But Rapids. look, I mean, let's think about this for a minute, right? Like, if you look at who played well against Kansas City and who kind of started and/or finished that game, like, you know, you still have McMath, Orozco, Silva, Schmidt. Lawfulson. Um Andrew Brody, Caldwell, Everton, Pablo Ruiz. You got Demir and Rubin coming back that I think are gonna get heavy heavier minutes than they got in Kansas City. Uh you still got Sergio Cordova who everybody kinda seems to forget about, which I think is strange because he's big mm-hmm. and he's dynamic and yeah. uh he just hasn't um he did get the goal against New England, but he really hasn't like killed it yet. Um Every game he gets, he shows a little more, right? Um, And then, you know, what I like, what I've seen from, you know, Kappelhoff in the one game who won't be available in Colorado, but, um, you know, Chris Garcia actually looked pretty dynamic in the Mm -hmm. five minutes of stoppage he played against Kansas City. So, you know, maybe Bobby Pierre and Pierre Reedy get thrown in at the end and Bodie Davis or. Somebody can, you know, make a little miracle happen. Like, I mean, five games ago, nobody thought Tate Schmidt was going to do anything for this yep. team this year. Dude. He leads the league in game-winning goals. Tate Schmidt. He let one rip, too. That was kind of just went a little bit wide. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. It's it's just yeah. crazy that some goals are coming from so, Tate. And that's, and that's a perfect example of, like, this guy. This is a guy who worked really hard in the offseason. He works really hard in between games. He's always watching video. He's always asking the coaches, hey, what more can I do? What do I need? to get ready and like he just he steps up and his confidence is just palpable yeah it's awesome and and to see it um with so many other guys too and like i mean the the way i'm lucky right i'm in the facility every day i'm in the locker room every day i see how much these guys care about each other and it's fun and hopefully we see it saturday uh evening in colorado do you still believe josh yeah, I think we can definitely get a positive result. Wow. That's, that's weird new. coming from me. That's really weird, yeah. <laughs> very, very weird. I mean, I guess I, I feel like we should just kind of hang on, get through these 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 road games, because um, New York City FC, like, you're playing on Yankee Stadium on April 17th. That's just a little postage stamp. Like, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, then you go up to Portland, which has shitty, me- sorry, sucky memories from last year. <laughs> um but we were just there for a week, and so maybe it's familiar. Um, and then you come home, you got the Galaxy on April 30th. Obviously, we've got Toronto here on April 9th, which is scheduled, sorry, uh, looking like it's going to be a third straight sellout. There's already over 16,000 tickets sold for that one. Ooh, so. Is that going to be a Salcedo homecoming? Yes, it is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and guess that's what? A, it's not booing him. No? No. No, no reason no. to. Yeah. It's an early 6 o'clock kick. Cool, guys. Well, Trey, um, thanks for coming on here, man. I I don't know, man. It's – I don't even know what to say at this point. I, I'm honestly muting that conversation and going on my dandy way. Yeah. See, I'm incapable of muting a conversation. I, lo- I will continue that conversation and try to have – the the discourse, the banter, I love that stuff, man. Yeah. Whether it's with fans or media or everybody in between, like 
Yeah. Yeah, it's some, okay. It's okay. We're all adults. We can disagree. Like it's okay. It's totally fine. Like you said, nobody's getting personal. Nobody's like, I don't know, man. Totally, not at all. Except in your mentions, Andy. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> people were coming after me, dude. Big time. One guy, he's like, he's like, I'm glad I don't listen to your show or watch any of the content that you produced. And then he deleted it. So there must have been some <laughs> good content somewhere where he like came back and commented something else. I don't know. Some you, kid. You don't dude. have to leave this in, but who was that? What? Who was that? Oh, oh. yeah. Dude, he comments and likes everything the RSL show does. He does? Yes. Yeah. That's so why he said it. That guy is a little triggered. Yeah. You can edit that out or leave it in. I don't care. Nah, anyways. <laughs> yeah, anyways, guys. Um, Thank if you. If you're going to take personal jabs, just be more creative than that. Entertain uh, us. <laughs> yeah, like go after my looks or something. Right. You know what I mean? Like do something that'll hurt me uh all right thank you so much for listening to the rsl show uh trey you have a podcast dude plug that i do bleeding claret and cobalt at claret cobalt on twitter uh also on instagram but we haven't updated the ig in quite some time um but uh we did a great pod this week with landon southwick talking about the monarchs good dude and there's some good rocky mountain cup content in there as well so uh download share rate subscribe listen all that fun stuff you can find us dude we're competing for that number one spot yeah between us uh absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> although there's you know there's a lot of new pods out there so uh yeah competition's fierce but uh i'm not worried at it's all. it's fun i'm not worried one day i enjoy competition yeah it fuels me friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great.